0: Welcome back to Live Mike, this special day after the election (laughs) edition. Of live Mike episode number two hundred and twenty one in just a moment we will be joined by Derek Brown chair of the Utah Republican Party to talk about some national races to talk about local races uh, to talk about things impacting the Republican Party here in the state of Utah and beyond but before we do I need to share with you some developing news as you have been hearing throughout the morning there was an amber alert notification sent out maybe if you look down at your cell phone you'll see it uh, the Ogden Police Department asking for the public's help there was uh, an infant Uh, who'd been uh, abducted the story uh, likely went that a car uh, had been taken with the young baby uh, in the back well the utah division of emergency management has just tweeted out that that amber alert has been canceled the amber alert has been canceled and according to ksl news radio's mary richards uh, she says that the family has told ksl that the baby was found safe Uh, i've got my own little baby and as soon as I heard this story and understood uh, what may have actually happened, uh, it my heart sank, and I can't imagine uh, the fear that must have been felt by uh, by that family. And so wonderfully happy that uh, that the baby has been found safe. Uh, I'll tell you a story later on in the program about a about a story that I covered right here in Utah, where a three-year-old girl was in the back of a car which was stolen and how she ultimately ended up at a cupcake shop. It's a, uh, you know, it's a all's well that ends well kind of story. You know, you're happy that everyone is safe, but the details leading up to that little girl making her way to the cupcake shop, uh, absolutely fascinating. If I've got time, I'll share that with you later on. Right now, though, right now, though, it is politics, it is election, and specifically it is now Republican politics as we welcome to the program Derek Brown, chair of the Utah Republican Party. Mr. Brown, sir, how are you?
1: I am I'm great. I'm exhausted, but uh, but feeling good. Uh, have so you been? Thanks, Lee.
0: Have you been to sleep yet?
1: We <laughs> it didn't feel like much of a night's sleep. I think uh, we were all kind of prepped that tomorrow, that, that yesterday, you know, come about 10 p.m. when we like to get the answers, uh, there would be a lot of open questions. Yeah. So it was a it was a good day. I mean, it started terrible for me. I looked out my front window and saw that some. Vandal had placed all sorts of Biden-Harris <laughs> signs all over my front yard. So I'm sure my neighbors got all, you know, they got a, a kick out of that, and I got all sorts of texts from neighbors as they drove by going, whoa, what, did- what just happened to the GOP chair? So someone had a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, that's, you know, it is fun that we could actually, you know, laugh about things like that because yeah. the, the, the Democrat chair and I are actually good friends and have spoken quite a bit.
0: Have you, have you tracked down the culprit? Uh, did, did Jeff fess up?
1: Yeah, you know what? I actually called Jeff out online and uh, accused him, and he he promptly responded, said no, it wasn't me, and actually said something along the lines of, "I wish I had thought of that." Though,
0: <laughs> well, I'll so, tell you what: uh, <laughs> in, in about ten minutes from right now, we'll be speaking to Scott Howell. We'll ask him if he knows anything about this. Uh, well, you
1: know, be sure to ask him tough questions. My first involvement in politics ever was about twenty plus years ago, and I was an intern for then Senator Scott Howell at the Capitol. Funny enough. So Scott's a, a terrific guy and a dear friend.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know that trivia about you. That's, that's pretty cool. I spent a, yeah. a, I spent a legislative session up there as an intern myself. It's an experience that I recommend to anyone looking to fill uh, an early part of their year and get some educational credit. You get a, a wonderful education as to how uh, our legislative process works here in the state of Utah. Anyway.
1: Uh, Absolutely. So on results. Say again? You want to talk results. I said you want to talk results. And uh, the fact that we don't have a whole lot yet, but uh, we will.
0: Yeah. Let's start. Let's start with the the race that has had all of our attention and continues to command our attention. Trump is your guy, uh, a Republican nominee. Will Donald Trump remain the president of the United States next year?
1: Uh, you know what? I don't know. But, you know, what's interesting is about six or seven months ago in a uh, when we had someone from the Trump team that I was chatting with, he said, you know, it's all going to come down to Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan. And it's fascinating that six or seven months later, that's exactly where it is. And I'm also fascinated at how the the polling industry just completely blows it. I mean, I I had to comment over and over on this article about, you know, a a polling company here in Utah saying that Donald Trump was only going to win Utah by seven percent points. And, of course, the story was, wow, that's such a slim margin. And my response was, you know, the pollsters are going to blow it because it's going to be two to three times that. And sure enough, I mean, he's closer to 20 points ahead in Utah. Uh, you know, than seven, and so it, it's fascinating to me that sort of the internal campaigns—they know where they're at—but it's it's the, the fact that sort of the general polling companies. Continue to just blow it year after year. It's 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 really interesting.
0: I was I was really willing to and ready to like forgive and forget after the pollsters got it so wrong in 2016. But now it is looking like honestly, either way the election goes, either either candidate could become president, and still the pollsters will have missed the mark by a mile. I look at examples, uh, the, the one you cited here in Utah, uh, but then let's head over to Florida and other areas, including the popular vote, which you know doesn't account for much except for like a moral victory but even those estimates have been uh, by all the leading pollsters so far off with this with this happening now a second go around what's the future of that industry
1: well here's the thing that's frustrating to me is is i mean i've been working with the the national campaign and their polling that they do is actually really accurate and the polling that we are getting as random citizens you know out listening to the news is completely different. I mean, like, for instance, I mean, how many polls did you hear about how, you know, Biden was how many points ahead in Florida over and over, you know, and I had a call with the Trump team a week ago and they said, we're going to win Florida. Don't don't even let's not even talk about Florida. So in other words, my, my point is that these campaigns, when they hire polling and they need it to matter, it's pretty it's pretty remarkable how spot on it is. But when we get all these polls by random companies and say, "Well, you know, it's Utah, he's only up by seven points," I mean, they're off by double digits. And so, I, I hope people really think about that because 2016 was a, just a general year. None of us sort of took you know Donald Trump seriously, and all of a sudden, you know, and, and so you can sort of give him a pass for 2016. Hundred percent. Right. 2020. You'd think that they would have they would have figured that
0: out. Yeah. Dedicating their time, their resources to figuring out what was, you know, how do we account for or calibrate for the anomaly of 2016? Uh, And they weren't able to pull it off. Anyway, moving on from polls. uh, Utah's three reliably, reliably Republican House seats uh, have remained in the hands of Republicans. Chris Stewart and John Curtis retained their seats and Republican Blake Moore triumphed over his Democrat opponent in the race to replace Rob Bishop in the first Congressional district first. Do you predict Blake Moore to represent Utah's first district similar to the way Representative Bishop represented?
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, I've gotten to know Blake, and he's he's a tremendous guy. Very smart, has a a really unique background. It's different from Rob Bishop, but I think he'll do a great job, a great job serving. So, I'm I'm very confident in that.
0: Good deal. Uh, I, just, I remember when Bishop replaced Jim Henson, uh, it was seen as a continuation of policy and approach. And uh, I just wonder, should Blake Moore uh, continue that legacy or blaze his own path?
1: I think I think you will see some differences because his background is so different. Rob Bishop was a was a teacher, he a wrestling coach. I mean, his and then you've got Blake Moore, whose who's business background and intelligence background and um, State Department, that sort of thing. It, it, his interests are going to be a little bit different than his, although he's very interested in Hill Air Force Base and some of those issues that are critical to the to the northern Utah area. So you'll see a very different person, but I think that uh, I think that we'll be pleased with with what it looks like.
0: Cool. Uh, let's move on now. Just a few moments left in our conversation here, and we're speaking with Derek Brown, chair of the Utah Republican Party. The fourth congressional district, Ben McAdams right now enjoys a lead uh, in the reported data, but it ain't over yet. Uh, first, do you think do you think McAdams retains that lead through the end or does uh, Burgess Owens still have a pathway to Congress?
1: Well, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see the the lead that he has, which is about three and a half points right now. You're going to see that continue to shrink over the next couple of days. And, and that's, as I said earlier, I mean, we didn't have the, the finality last night. And what happens is as these ballots continue to be counted, you're going to see dramatic shifts. I mean, four years ago, um, Salt Lake County Council member Richard Snellgrove was down by four points mm. on election night, and after all the ballots had come in, he was up by four points You know, when, when all was said and done. And so, I mean, in Salt Lake County alone, there are still hundreds of thousands of ballots that haven't been counted. And so when you consider that a lot of those late-comer ballots tend to trend Republican I mean I think that's very good not only for Burgess but for a couple of the state House districts that are currently behind so um, is it enough to, to make up the difference I don't know but it is going to make it really close and I think with the Burgess race it is going to be um, it's going to be closer and closer and we'll get down to a razor thin um, the margin.
0: Last question I have for you it stays uh, focused on the 4th congressional district race. Historically, an incumbent is most vulnerable during their first re-election effort. If Congressman Nick Adams does retain the seat, does the 4th district remain blue for years to come?
1: It it does, although what happens next year is the legislature will be redistricting, and so that's the process where they go through and they reallocate all the boundaries based on where people have moved, and you're going to see a lot of lot of shifts and the biggest shift that everyone needs to to understand is that the way they draw the boundaries is a function of where people are like where the population is moving and there's one county they're not moving to and it's Salt Lake and so you're going to see Salt Lake lose a lot of that and you're going to see Utah County pick up a lot because that's where a lot of the growth is and so this idea that CD4 may stay where it is for a long time uh, may not be the case because the, the, the boundaries, the contours are going to look different.
0: All right. Uh, Derek Brown, thank you so much. Oh, uh, last question. H- how long do you think w- before we get an answer to the fourth district race?
1: Oh, it'll still be a couple of days. We will get a number of ballots that, uh, I mean, check. My understanding is that uh, four o'clock in Salt Lake County, mm-hmm. and five o'clock in Utah County, there will be additional Uh, large chunks of ballots that will be reported in addition to what we've got. So we'll have a much better idea by the end of the day, but it it is very possible that it takes another two or three days.
0: About 200,000 ballots still outstanding in Salt Lake County. You're going to have to check the numbers on Utah County, but we'll, uh, at least in Salt Lake County, probably get a look at about 25,000 of them come 4 o'clock today. Derek Brown, thanks so much for your time.
1: Thanks so much, Lee. Appreciate it.
0: All righty. Now let's move over to the other side of the aisle. Welcome to the program, Scott Howell, good friend of the show. Sir, how are you?
2: lee great thank you for having me on i really appreciate it
0: that's uh, my pleasure uh, did you get any sleep last night
2: <laughs> yes i did i i did i um uh, i was able to come home and it was a long night uh we did a lot of uh, commentary on different uh media and um i went to bed with uh kind of a calm heart and calm mind and and um it, it, i i'm i'm good i'm ready to go uh I, I will take a nap probably in the next two days, about a twenty-four hour <laughs> nap. But <There> <laughs> other go. than that, I think I'm good. Cool. Uh, be, be, before we get into
0: like the substance of this conversation, I've got to ask you, you. You may have heard I was speaking with Derek Brown, chairman of the Utah Republican Party, before you came on the line, and he uh, he had a little something going on in his uh, in his front lawn the other day. Someone, someone, he remember the chairman of the Republican Party. Someone uh, swapped out his lawn signs, and he had some uh, some Biden Harris signs up there. Uh, you don't know anything about that, do you?
2: Well, you know, like those exuberant missionaries, you always try and convert people back. And uh, Derek Brown is probably one of the smartest, most uh, hardworking individuals I've ever known. I had the privilege of having him serve uh, as an intern uh, with me. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I didn't have anything to do with it. But you know how zealous missionaries can get sometimes when they try and reconvert people. So <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, hey, is, uh,
0: will Joe Biden be the next president of the United States?
2: Well, I hope so. Um, I'll tell you that the pathway uh, right now, um, we think that there's a way to get to 270 electoral votes. And uh, we think that uh, after seeing what happened with Arizona and then Nebraska's second congressional district, um, you know, Wisconsin's already, already um, been called. Uh, Nevada's still out there. Michigan. Pennsylvania, what a challenge on Pennsylvania. You know, there's a million and two votes left out there. And um, it's going to have to be very, very strategic and surgical to make it happen. But I think we are on track um, to, uh, to have Joe Biden as the next president. The polls.
0: You know, again, it's still anyone's race, uh, but the polls predicted that Joe Biden would be enjoying a much more comfortable lead uh, and, in fact, winning states like Florida and uh, and elsewhere. W- what does it mean for the polls to have, at least as things stand right now, have gotten it so wrong? Does that change the, the mandate and the enthusiasm in the Biden camp or w- w- what does that mean both for the candidate, for the country and then third for the polling industry?
2: Well, I think it, the last one is really the first. It questions their reliability as well as uh, how wrong can they be. And this is two cycles. I mean, this is really – and it's as damaging for whoever they call to win or whoever they think is going to lose. It's just damaging both on both sides. And, you know, that industry really needs to figure out what who they're pulling and what they have to say. I think there's a group of Americans who – are, um, are out there, and they've got some uh, different beliefs, and I'm not sure that, that the, the pollsters are even getting close to them, but what we can see clearly uh, there's a lot of people who are in that, uh, and I call it maybe left of center, left of uh, right of center, or whatever, and they have a voice, and I, I, it's just amazing to me that the polls could be so far off. Because what it it creates, if you're the leader on it, it creates this false impression that, oh, we're going to have this game plan, we're going to go this way and do that. So I I think they need to ante up their game and figure out what they're not doing. I've always said, though, in polling, even when I've been ahead, I always run as though I'm 10 points behind. I tell my candidates that I work with, you you do not believe what those polls have to say. So it's an industry that I think really has to have some uh, reevaluation of what they do, how they do it, and make sure that they're pulling the right individuals.
0: Is regulation appropriate? The information that is churned out by these pollsters it quite literally influences elections. People turn to them, uh, and their confidence and their strategy is changed. Uh, and ultimately, in turn, elections can be changed. Is, is there any, oh, sure. is there any uh, room for a conversation, say, with Congress uh, or other regulators to, to put some regulations on the polling industry?
2: So I'm a, a Democrat, but I'm a free market Democrat, and I really believe that the less regulations that we have and the less government interference, but there certainly are some things that I think they, they should be questioned on uh, about their industry and where it's going, because um, it, it causes disruption both ways. Uh, I mean, they—I've seen polls where they put um, the the Republican way out there, and they've got this uh, in the bag, and people say, "Well, I'm not going to go vote because the polls say this." And then I've seen the Democrats say, "Well, you know, we've got this," so it cuts it both ways, and and I think the industry has to. I, what i really believe is the free market will will uh, find out which pollsters have more legitimacy and that you'll see more of them um 538 as you know nate silverman right. he's always been a pretty reliable and uh when i ran against oren uh, uh Orin used to always quote uh, nate on what, what they were doing and and um so i'm surprised i i really am surprised but you know what, we've got to have something, but regulation, maybe not quite there, but maybe a stern conversation about that pollster is not uh, there anymore. And, uh, you know, I I, I, I look at where we are on even the Biden poll that came out uh, from Y2K Analytics, which is probably one of the finest polling firms. Uh, They're out of BYU. You know, there's professors down there that run that. and. They had Biden down by seven points, and then you look at the reality, it was almost double that. And I don't know if that's just a mismark uh, or if it's just they're not getting to the right people and asking the questions. Yeah,
0: and ultimately I think both uh, to some degree – the polls, uh, but certainly in terms of our own personal responsibility, it does fall on us to, you know, if we so choose to honestly engage with pollsters that approach us or decline the interaction, you know, you don't want to game the system, and then uh, to the point where, you know, we ultimately are the ones constitutionally granted the right to vote, we also, too, uh, bear the responsibility to cast that vote in the most informed way possible. And so simply understanding that polls uh, ought to be taken with a grain of salt, and certainly as we have looked at six... 16 and now 20. Uh, We have all the evidence we need to to be reminded uh, that it really is up to us. Uh, Scott Howell, thank you so much uh, for your time. I'm sure we'll be touching base with you frequently over the next few weeks as this all shakes out.
2: Really appreciate it, Lee. Have a great night and uh, let's everyone get to unify and pray and whoever wins, let's get behind them and let's uh, let's end this nonsense of violence. I'm telling you, I have zero tolerance for that, and I hope Democrats or Republicans are not going to be associated with it. Our country is too great to have that type of deviant behavior.
0: Amen. Thank you so much. Scott Howell, my guest on Live Mike. Quick break. When we return, after the news break, we will be joined by the great Doug Wright. We're going to look back at some other races, some past races. How were they covered? What questions were asked? We'll find out from the master after the news on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. And this is... Is KSL News Radio.